So I took all the money and we just dumped it right back into marketing. So I drove, I, I kid you not, I drove every single street in Middle Tennessee. A lot of people might say, no, there's no way you did that. No, I've, I've got the map to prove it. And I was doing your traditional driving for dollars things, right? I was looking for these dilapidated properties where the grass was really high, where the roof looked like it was caving in, had the AC window units, right? It just looked like a haunted house. And I was putting those in my app driving around the neighborhoods. I did that for four to six hours every single day. A great book can totally challenge your conventional thinking and change your life for good. However, some of us just don't have the luxury of time of sitting down to read a book. But there are some instances in which we do have dead time. And these are perfect times to learn. So we can learn while driving instead of jamming to the same music on the radio. Or maybe at the gym. Well, now you can. Dwelling has partnered with Amazon's Audible to give you, the Dwell listeners, a free book. Yes, a free book. So all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash dwelling and download your free book. This will also be in the show notes. You can click on the link. And if you don't have a book in mind and you say, Ola, I don't actually know where to start with. Well, awesome, because I can tell you what to start with today. It's a quintessential classic. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So download Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that would basically just take your mind on a different spin. Of course, I'm always open to hear um, from our Dwell listeners. So email me at ola at dwelling.com. And then feel free to also give us a, a rating and review. This really helps us to rank better in iTunes. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got an incredible guest with us today, Brandon Cobb. Hey, Brandon. How's it going, man? I'm doing good. It's good to see you. Honored to be invited on the podcast. Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much. Really appreciate the conversation. We're just talking before we hit record here. So I really appreciate the conversation. So uh, for those listening, you want to tell us who Brandon is, um, what you've been up to and what you're doing lately? Wow. Yeah. Who's, who is Brandon? Uh, My name is Brandon Common from Nashville, Tennessee. I own a company called HPG Capital. We're a real estate investment firm. A lot of people have similar names. What we do is a little bit different. We target recession resistant assets that are designed to be insulated against market volatility. We work with a lot of investors who want the true passive hands-off stuff. I always tell people if they want to learn more, they can go to hpgcapital.net. But got started medical device sales, got fired from my job, started wholesaling, flipping houses, graduated up to doing new construction, land development. And so we're focused on being vertically integrated and building a lot of affordable housing for first-time home buyers. Not to be confused with Section 8 or low-income housing, but I'm talking about the product that everyone needs right now, a house to live in that's affordable. So you mentioned a bunch. So let's kind of just, you know, go back a little bit. So what were you doing before and when did you think um, you wanted to invest in real estate and why? Yeah, so I was a single young man working crazy hours doing medical device sales. So I did, uh, I was in surgery every day. I did a lot of knees, a lot of shoulders, worked with athletes, sports medicine surgeons who uh, did the whole sports medicine niche and was just working a ton and got fired completely by surprise. It was one Friday. I just finished up surgery with a surgeon. Boss sat me down at the Starbucks over on West End and just promptly left me go. And it was at that point that I realized that it doesn't matter how hard you work, doesn't matter how loyal you are to a company, 
at the end of the day, you're just a number and, you know, no ill feelings towards them. They had to do what they have to do, whatever the reasoning behind it was. But I was like, man, that just really sucks. And it, the funny thing is, if you'd asked me seven years ago, hey, do you think you would be building neighborhoods? I would have laughed at you. I would have never guessed that I was going to go into real estate. I had, I, I said, I gave myself six months after I got fired to produce some kind of income. I said, let's give this whole entrepreneur thing a shot. I'd always lived very, very, very well below my means. So I had a little bit of savings saved up and I had like a motivational blog going. I had a course on how to break into medical device sales. And, you know, I was like, let's do the real estate thing. So I was doing all these things, ended up meeting my mentor and now still business partner, ended up doing a flip since that business took off first. I just I got rid of all the other ones off my plate, just focused focused on real estate and just kept reinvesting all the profits back into the business, which is how it's grown to what it is today. So what was your first deal? You mentioned that you did some wholesaling. So this is quite crucial for anyone listening mm -hmm. and maybe want to go um, on the Brandon track, just kind of walk us through that track. What was your very first real estate deal? My very first real estate deal was a flip in Shelbyville, Tennessee. I lived in Bellevue, Tennessee at the time. And I found that deal because I took those We Buy Houses signs and I had it in like this font that looks like it was handwritten. I think it said like Jen buys houses or something crazy like that. I can't even remember, but it was like, oh, I'm going to put a woman's name on here because people trust women more than men. You know, there's all this research that I've done online for like the perfect bandit sign. And uh, I was going on and I was like putting them on telephone poles and uh, did that for like five weeks. And I'm getting a phone call from a guy who's facing foreclosure and when it showed up on the appointment, um, you know, at the time I was, you know, you were my now business partner what is trying to help me out a little bit. You know, he lived in Colorado Springs. I was here in Nashville. And so we, we figured it out. We ended up buying that property. I drove an hour and 15 minutes every single day to go down there and manage it. I've never done construction a day in my life. So I learned every single day managing contractors. Surprisingly, two and a half months later, finished that project and sold the house and we made a little bit of money. And that's kind of how we got our first footing. And so I met my deadline. I gave myself that six months. I think I beat it by like three weeks. So I was like, well, I made some money. I guess I need to continue doing this. And then what did you do next? You, did you continue flipping or you kind of went into other strategies or you just kind of continue flipping? So I took all the money and we just dumped it right back into marketing. So I drove, I, I kid you not, I drove every single street in middle Tennessee. A lot of people might say, no, there's no way you did that. No, I've, I've got the map to prove it. And I was doing your traditional driving for dollars things, right? I was looking for these dilapidated properties where the grass was really high, where the roof looked like it was caving in, had the AC window units, right? It just looked like a haunted house. And I was putting those in my app driving around the neighborhoods. I did that for four to six hours every single day for six weeks. And I built up a list of about 5,500 properties. And then we just dumped all our money into marketing. And that led to our, our second wholesale deal ever, um, which was in Madison, Tennessee. We made like thirty-two, thirty-three thousand $33,000 of that, just dumped that back into marketing. And that produced even more deals and even more flips. And we just kept dumping. First two years, I didn't even take a like a, like a salary, hardly. I think I maybe made like $30,000 a year. First two years, we literally just dumped, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars profits back in the business in the form of coaching, masterminding, um, courses, everything we could get our hands on because we realized at that point in time, the best investment we could make 
side for marketing was investment in ourselves and our knowledge. Fascinating. So you drove every single street, got the information dumped into your app, as, as you said, and then you said you just went crazy on marketing. So for somebody listening that maybe has this kind of grit that you have and they want to do something similar, when you say you dumped the money into marketing, what kind of marketing were you doing? Can you kind of walk us through that process of, you know, trying to, you know, get someone to sell you their home, um, you know, from you driving to you actually closing on the property? Yeah, so I'm going to walk you through that. And then I'm also, if you want, we can do what I would have done differently. Because what I'm about to tell you is not I what I recommend it. I people do. It. do because it. Do it. I, I would not, like, we burn through hundreds of thousands of dollars over a, you know, a period of time. And it could have been well spent better, right? Knowing what I know today. But what we focused on was that driving for dollars list. That was a really big list, but it was only 5,500. Um, what we also did was we had an absentee list that we were mailing 40% equity, uh, owned at least about four, four to six years. And at the time we had a demographic in there where we were focused on people aged 55 and older. So there's equity in the house. They've owned it for at least six years and they're 55 and older. That's what we were mailing, those two lists primarily. Fantastic. So you, you, you had kind of your criteria set down. And then when you got these deals in, you, 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 your first deal was a flip. How did you guys make a decision of, hey, we want to, you know, host this deal or we actually want to flip it ourselves, right? Because, you know, for anyone listening to our conversation, they might be thinking, well, okay, I, I could maybe try to do this, but maybe I want to flip or maybe I want to host it. How can folks kind of make that um, decision on, on what path to take? You know, when you're, you're going after your first deal, you want to make as much money as possible. And so we, not knowing what we know today, maybe we could have gotten more wholesaling it, but our mindset was we're going to get more money flipping this. And money was what we needed. And so that's how we made the decision. It was what's going to bring in the most money. And it was pretty cosmetic too. It wasn't like it was a whole lot of work. Perfect for a first time flip guy. I mean, it was a perfect property for that. So that's how we made that decision. So you, you know, flipped you wholesale. Um, now you're talking about developing neighborhoods and uh, you talked about land as well. So when did you make that jump and how did you make that jump, right? Of, you know, flipping, wholesaling, now kind of doing something a little bit bigger. Um, mm -hmm. Can you just kind of walk us through how you, how you make that, that transition? Yeah, so we had built the flip business up where we're doing, you know, 40 plus transactions a year. And we were filling the squeeze. A lot of gurus were pushing a lot of people into the market. The margins were getting very slim. Uh, you know, we're having all the traditional problems and, and I'm kind of uh, fast forwarding a little bit. You know, we, we created a construction company because we we're having problems with contractors. We wanted to bring everything in house. So we had done that. You know, so we had the acquisition arm finding the deals. We built the construction company up. We were reinvesting a lot of money back into the business, hiring people, training, investing in masterminds. And we were like, man, you know, we were doing well, but we weren't like, you know, killing it. I'm like, you know, you're not gonna retire flipping houses i'm sorry there's there's just it's, it's not gonna happen it's a great way to find financial i wouldn't say financial freedom but like time freedom but you're not gonna make like as much money as you need to really like you know live forever and it's a lot of work and it's it's a low barrier to entry there's a lot of capital that is advertising to the the newcomers so it's very easy to get into so we were we were in a red ocean 
basically, I'm sure you've heard this red ocean, blue ocean concept. And over the years, we had, we had done probably like seven new construction projects, kind of by accident. You show up, you know, a tornado had wiped out half the house or it had been, um, you know, halfway burned down. Um, uh, you know, you get in there to a full gut and you're like, oh, shoot, you know, we're going to tear this thing down. So we had acquired these deals for less than what the land was worth. So we we're like, well, it's a fire damaged house. Let's, let's cut out all the black stuff. Let's get a structural engineer over there. Let's get the city over there. Let's get everything inspected and, you know, replace what we need to and then frame up. And we did. And we noticed over time that some of those new bills that we were doing were being built faster than the rehabs. And we had a rehab that were like eight, nine months. And, you know, you're making 30, you know, $40,000, something like that. And then we had this new build that was built in like five months, sold in six and a half months. And we were making like 120 on it. We're like, wait a minute. We need, we need to look at this a little bit more. And so at the same time, we were feeling the squeeze. There's a lot of people getting into the market. It was getting competitive, right? We're having to look. I was looking at like 30 deals a day. You know, we're, we're buying like, you know, one a week, uh, at least somewhere around there. And you just have to look at so many deals. And so I just, I shut off all the marketing completely. I said, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not paying for this market anymore. And I told the sales team, like, you got to pivot. We need to focus on new construction. And we came up with a game plan and we said, go. So we switched to a completely self-generation model with our sales team. And we started acquiring new construction deals. And because we were vertically integrated, we had a leg over everybody else. Other investors like us had to hire a builder and pay them, you know, $140, $150 a foot to build the house where we were getting it done at like, 109 to 119. So we're saving a lot of money per foot. That's a lot of money for building a 2,000 square foot home. And we're doing a lot faster because we were incentivized to build a lot faster with the other investors. And if you hire a builder, he's not exactly incentivized because he's just getting a builder's fee. So we were doing it faster and we were, you know, doing it for a lot less. So all of a sudden, man, we were we were only having a handful of conversations and finding deals. We have right now we got more deals than we could buy. Right. I don't have a deal problem. I got a capital problem. Right. So that was how we made that transition. It was over time learning the systems and processes by starting out wholesaling, analyzing deals and understanding what's a deal and what isn't and, and having that verification through the transactions and looking back and saying, OK, wow, that was a good deal or wow, that was a bad deal. That person bought from us. You know, I'm glad we didn't do that. And then we built the systems and processes with the renovation and vertical integration and the construction company. And then just by kind of trial and error, did a few, saw it went really well and jumped in. And then, man, we just, we've had so many less problems with new construction than we did renovating and the margins are a lot bigger and there's a lot less surprises and it's easier to scale. And so we felt, we found ourselves in what we call a blue ocean where there's tons of deals and we, at least we feel like, you know, there's, there's very limited competition uh, based on our, our vertical, vertical integration model. And that's how we got into it. Wow. Interesting. So you did this for a bit and then you obviously still doing, um, but then you kind of dabbled a little bit into multifamily um, acquisitions or partnering. So maybe tell, tell us a little bit about how that happened. What, what was the story behind that? Yeah. So last year we dipped our toes in the model commercial. We had a need. We want to diversify. We don't want all of our eggs in one basket. There's powerful things you can do with multifamily. The depreciation is huge. The biggest 
tax that people pay is taxes, right? That is the biggest hindrance on your ability to build wealth is getting taxed. So depreciation benefits from commercial were huge. We knew that we wanted to jump into that and we knew we wanted to be able to supply our investors with an alternative investment option that is better suited towards what they need, which is limiting taxes. So I knew that whenever I dive into something new and I don't understand something that I need, I don't know if you can see this book right here, but I keep it by my desk as a reminder, who, not how. So I needed somebody who had, you know, done at least five exits, who had uh, been in the market, you know, the longer, the better, you know, 10 years minimum, um, and had successfully been in this space for a while. And so we found a partner, an operator. Um, they were great at finding deals. I didn't want to build a whole nother business center to run flying around the country and looking at deals and analyzing and learning this business. I just want to find a who. Someone had already built the model around it, but had a need for a sponsor that could raise capital for the deals. So I became um, good at finding people who were just very experienced operators. So this one operator, uh, you know, Lloyd Jones had been doing class B, class C value add multifamily for like 30 years. They've been through multiple recessions. They've been in business for a long time. They had that historical track record, found them. And that's, I was like, all right, we need to, we need to do some deals, you know, with this company. And so that's how we got started was finding an operator that had a track record and had been in business a long time. That made me feel a lot more comfortable, probably could have gotten a better deal if I'd partnered with an operator with a lot less experience and really, really needed the capital, but I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, our investors were protected and I knew that they would be protected with this company. Fascinating. I can keep talking to you, but we definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick round. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, sir? I'm ready. All right. First question, what makes you random unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've been told that we're just super transparent. You know, a lot of our investors that work with us love how we update them on everything. You know, we're, we're a teacher and educator. So I'm not just someone where, you know, you sign up, you deploy money with us. And it's kind of like, you know, well, you know, what's going on with my investment? We really try to teach and allow people to understand it. You know, we had a, a doctor reach out to us, you know, a couple months ago. And he was like, man, you know, I, I see you guys are doing these syndication things. I don't know if I want to do healthcare forever, maybe like a couple days a week. But like, what's the syndication thing? And I invited him. I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm happy to teach you this stuff. And so he wanted to make an investment. Um, and, you know, we're, we're teachers. So we don't just you know, take your capital and, and run off. You know, we actually will actually educate you on what's going on. I got a you know buddy who invested because he's wanting to learn new construction. And so you get these updates that like almost teach you what's going on. And I'm here every step of the way. So I've been told that we're very transparent. And that's been a differentiating factor for us. You mentioned that book next to you. So what was the last book that you read? What was the one thing you picked up from that book? Last book I read was Building an Elite Organization by Don Winter. I had the pleasure of actually having a phone conversation with him just the other day. He talks about the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. Every company needs one. We didn't. And because my partner is military background and you know we've been wanting to uh, do something with veterans, our big, hairy, audacious goal became reducing veteran homelessness in Middle Tennessee by 90%. So we got with the local veteran affairs community, identified that there's 247 homeless vets, and we're gonna work to reduce that number down to 30 or less. That was my biggest takeaway from that book. Wow, fantastic. Thank you for the 
even considering to do that. Um, final question: What do you do for fun? <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Uh, my fiance saw me run into the door earlier as I uh, as I got home, and I was excited about this package that got in. And I to come in with this package, and she's she's like sees the package. She's like, "Oh my god!" She starts smiling. I'm a really big steak fanatic. I really like high-end steaks, so I have like the package of like all these really bougie steaks. It's, like, it's my one bougie hobby, right? Everyone needs one thing that At they can get one. guilty about and be like, I spent a little too much money on this. Steak is for me, so I love cooking steaks, smoking steak. I'm a huge snake fanatic. I think that would be a first on the dwelling show. I really, I really like that. I wasn't expecting that. If there's somebody maybe who likes steaks as well, or just maybe just like you want to get connected with you, where's the best place people can reach out, get to know you more? Get to know me more. Um, they can always go to our website, hbgcapital.net, learn more about our company. If they're wanting to get a little bit more personal with me, uh, I'm on social media, uh, Brandon Cobb, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-C-O-B-B, like corn on the cob. Um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever channel you're on, we're on. Love it. Thank you so much, Brandon. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Enjoyed the conversation. You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders. We share the best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com. That's bestevershow.com.